Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you find creating content enjoyable, don't let the engagement or the reactions or any of that crap get in the way. Just enjoy the writing and treat it like a journal and share. Like that's it. And if you do that, I can almost guarantee with consistency, if you do that consistently, you will end up getting engagement and you will end up building connections and relationships on the platform. You just need to get out of your own way and stop overthinking it. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Well, I want to welcome my good friend and this guy's somebody that if you've been on the platform for even a moment, you absolutely know who he is because he's always the real deal. I was joking in the summary of this that if you combine branding and analytics, you get brandalytics. It's like, uh, you know, <laughs> obviously that would apply to my guest. He describes personal brand as a window into your world, a window into your world. And he says, if you give people a window into your world, guess what? Some of them, they might like what they see and they might come knocking at your door with opportunity. And I love this lens that he looks through when it comes to personal brand. We met, I actually did a, a little uh, reconnaissance and I looked, we first met on February 26th, 2020. And actually, funny man, I went, I went and looked at all of our old email thread. And by the way, or our DMs. And I went back and back. I mean, it took me like a good five Forever, minutes yeah. scrolling <laughs> to get to, I was like, wow, we've talked a lot. Yep. But I looked at that first conversation and it, it really, what I think that does is that really showcases the type of guy you are and really how you use this platform effectively, which it all comes down to building relationships, real relationships, not superficial, not fake real relationships with real human beings. Yep. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how we build a brand, a relationship style brand where people really get to know you, get to know you, the brand, the person, the human being on the other side of that profile. And so before we jump in, I just want to say that the approach that you take, it's not an approach that is like geared around, I want to see how many impressions I could get. It's not geared around you study analytics, but it's not geared around trying to be something through hacks or engagement pods or gaming the system or any of that. You stand out for being you, man. And you're unapologetic about it. You're the real deal. And those people in your circle, you know, the people I, that we're probably going to talk about today, they're that same way. And you attract likes like we all do. You attract people who are your tribe, who show up in the authentic way that you show up. And I I so appreciate that about you. And so we're going to have some fun. We're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to talk about analytics. We're going to talk about the numbers. We're going to geek out for a little bit and really start to dissect maybe some of those things that people don't know about as much. And like, just let's have a fun time doing it. So with that being said, please, everyone give a huge warm welcome to my guest, Liam Darmody. Thank you for being here, my friend. 
Thank you for having me, Billy. This is super exciting. And thanks for pronouncing my name right. That's great. A lot of people don't, a lot of people mess it up the last part. I'm excited to chop it up with you. It's so cool just thinking back on all those conversations that you and I have had over the last four years and the time that we spent on Clubhouse, you know, back in the day when Clubhouse was a big thing, like <laughs> perfect time and perfect place. So I'm really excited to chop it up with you today. Yeah. Well, I want to congratulate you. Last year, you took a big step. You walked away from the corporate, you know, the, the startup scene, man. You were for 20, like nearly 20 years, you were the ops guy, you were the marketing guy, you were the, you're doing everything, right? The sales guy doing so many different things for so many companies. And I know your last home gave you a, a spot doing some more branding things. You're like, well, you kind of felt like, well, why are they giving me this? Why are they giving me this? Yeah. And it's because of how you showed up on LinkedIn. And now today you started Liam's Brand Stand, which is a personal branding consultancy. And you're helping brands, especially magnetic brands, build how they show up. So I love that you took the plunge. And I know it's not easy, man. How, how are you feeling in the role that you're in now? It feels good. You know, I'm definitely pursuing my passion, right? I love helping people. I love LinkedIn. I love human relationships and connection. And so to be able to do that full time is a really exciting opportunity for me. That's not to suggest that it isn't without, you know, anxiety and, you know, challenges. I think one of the things that is so interesting is when I went into this, I think, you know, I think I had expectations that were a little too high and, and unrealistic, right? I was like, oh, I have a ton of followers. I've been on the platform forever. Like, I'm going to have business booked out for months. And that wasn't the case. It was, you know, I had so, certainly some people that were like, we're really excited to see that you're doing this. We want to work with you. But it wasn't quite as much of a sort of flood as I expected. And so that was a bit of a, a hit to my ego and I had to readjust in, in August. But it was it was good because it sort of forced me to focus on finding the way that I was going to market myself and think about it. And and you know, having been at startups for my entire career in sales operations and, you know, various sort of go-to-market operational roles, I was always kind of like further down the funnel and analyzing data and, and then coming up with insights and then saying, okay, this is how we should be guiding our strategy, right? Based on those analytics and being so far at the top of the funnel now on a marketing side is very new for me. So putting out a piece of content that might yield something two or three months down the line is a new way of thinking for me. So that was great because it forced me to sort of stretch myself and think differently about how I use the platform and the, the ways that I think about things. But all in all, long story short, I've been able to secure about 25 clients total since I started, which is a lot more than I thought. I actually did like an end of year roundup and I was like, wow, I've worked for a lot more people than I thought I did. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been going really well and I'm just really enjoying it. I'm trying to focus on every day at one day at a time and some days are up, some days are down, but that's entrepreneurship, right? It really is. It's funny because I remember I did an interview before I started my business, so right as I was about to start it, and it was with my old boss, and he says, there's one piece of advice I can give you is it will never happen as fast as you think. So it's yeah. like, and, and you found that in the beginning, but now looking back, and you know, six, seven months in or eight months, I don't, I don't know the exact, what your exact date was, but you're realizing now, like, hey, you have come a long way and you've, you've worked with a lot of people. Speaking of coming a long way, I want to get in our time machine and I want to go back <laughs> to 1997. You're 13. You're driving with your dad in LA where I live. And he asked you a question. What question did he ask you and how did you answer it? It's a sign of a really good interviewer. You've done your homework. So I was living in Los Angeles where you are. I lived <laughs> with my dad. My parents had separated and I was really close to my dad. So he was sort of like an older brother slash dad for me. And I'm an only child, so that was an important relationship in my life. And I didn't have a lot of friends. I mean, it was interesting. I moved from Canada to California. I went to an all-boys private school. And so, you know, being a chubby Canadian kid in a preppy sort of rich kid school was not always the best <laughs> experience for me. So I spent a lot of time with him. And, and we used to drive around Beverly Hills and, you know, look at all the mansions and, and you know, have our just gawking like tourists. <laughs> and he said, what's what's the most important thing in your life? And I thought for a second and I said, human relationships. And to this day, he talks about how he almost drove off the road. He was like, I was not expecting something that deep from you at that age, right? You're 13 years old. 
I was more expecting you to say, you know, your Xbox or your PlayStation or, you know, your computer or whatever. But yeah, that's always been a very, very important thing to me. I love people and I'm passionate about people above all else. And the connection and the relationship that you have with other humans is, in my opinion, what keeps us thriving and happy. And so I've always valued it. And I think this is one of the reasons that me doing what I'm doing now is just the right thing at the right time for me because I finally got to a place where I'm like, just go for it. Just to help people find ways to make better relationships with other people and to attract connection that will be fortuitous in some way, shape, or form. And so that's what I'm doing now. And it's it feels really good. Good question, man. You're 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 so on point. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. And man, I I felt with you. And as you described it, I you know I have an only child. So and I I kind of was a pseudo only child because my I had some half siblings, but they were so far apart in age that I was, I understand, I understand what that's like and to have a relationship with your parent like that. So special, man. I mean, I'm, yep. I'm grateful too that like I have parents that, that I love and that have always been there for me. And I know that's not always the case. So, so cool that you had that experience. And it's funny when I first heard you share this story, immediately I thought of my own son. I thought if he would answer and he's, He's a little younger. He's 12. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because I think if I asked him right now, he'd probably say like Fortnite or baseball. And I'm like, <laughs> but I thought to myself, if he answered that, it would make my year. Like if he answered the way you answered it, like, because it is, you said it, happiness. Mm-hmm. They, they've actually studied this. And I'm sure you know, like the number one contributor to happiness, and they've done tons of studies, is human connection. Yep. People who have strong human connections generally are happier people. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have bad days. It doesn't mean that you might not even have depression, but you generally become happier when you're when you have people in your life. And it's a perfect segue to this this concept that I love that you say LinkedIn. It's not really a, a social media platform as much as it is a serendipity manifestation platform. That's what it. do you mean, man? What do you mean? Describe <laughs> that. Yeah, it's a mouthful and it's kind of cheesy, but I wholeheartedly <laughs> believe it. I. I've had more opportunity to just kind of find its way into my orbit from the last four years of, of building connection and relationships on LinkedIn and being myself on the platform. And once you get to a place where you don't really feel inhibited and you feel like, I'm just going to be myself and I'm going to invest in, in the people that find that to be worth paying attention to, and I'm not going to really worry too much pe- about the people that don't it shifts your perspective and your experience on this platform significantly. And in life in general, right? I think we as humans spend so much time thinking about what other people are going to think. And when you peel the onion back another layer, it's like, well, who cares if somebody doesn't really like what you have to say? Like, what's the worst? Like, do you, what do you, what do you care? Like, do you like them? Do you know if you like them? Like, do you know if they don't like you? Like they just keep scrolling past your post. Like who cares? <laughs> and so I feel like a lot of times we end up getting so caught up in, oh, is what I'm saying going to upset somebody or somebody's not going to like it? Instead of saying, what about all the people that are going to like it? Right? It's glass half full, glass half empty kind of thing. And so, you know, for me, it's just always been this fantastic way of manifesting serendipity. I mean, like people come to, into your life because you put yourself out there and they're like, I really love the way that you think about things or the way you talk about things or this post that you created really resonated with me. Then you start building connection and relationships. And then from there, opportunities present themselves that would not necessarily find their way to you if you hadn't taken that initial step to put yourself out there and then have some connection and conversation with people who resonated with what you said. And that is ultimately like, Human relationships are what drive everything in the world. Business, like it's all based on human connection. And I think in this day and age, especially like, you know me, I love artificial intelligence and web three and cryptocurrency and blockchain. Like I'm big into the tech stuff, but as we get more automated and as technology innovates and evolves, I think it's even more important for us to have those human connections and conversations. Yeah, it makes it even more special, right? I mean, like it makes the human side of things vastly more important when you consider that the volume of non-human interactions or things it's 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 going up and so what we will ultimately value more is is that human connection it becomes i think vastly more important and i've always said that linkedin's like a 24/7 
networking event and you, you made a post and I, I'm going to do a Liam, Liam-ism here and you say, <laughs> treat every LinkedIn post that interests you like a small networking event. Mm-hmm. And then you can grow meaningful relationships and meaningful network in far less time than you think. So 100%. I'm curious, like when you look at that approach, that lens, how does that guide the decisions you make with interaction or how you coach people or you know, even how you show up on the platform? Yeah. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Conversation is such an important part of our lives. And one of the things that's so interesting about LinkedIn is that one of their slogans is join the conversation. And I remember when I first read that, like, I think it was 2017 or something like that. I was like, what conversation? Like, everyone's just on here sharing HBR articles and posting their latest press release from their companies. Like, there's no conversation happening on this platform. And then I sort of started to realize that, okay, there is conversation happening. And that's when I started to have more of that conversation. And and then over the years, I just started realizing that you can have a phenomenal set of conversations with a phenomenal group of people every single day. If you just put something out into the into the universe that resonates with folks, they'll come and share their thoughts. And then that creates conversation amongst you and that builds relationships with each other. And you have other people tagging other people to come into the conversation. And, and it just creates this really fascinating dynamic between people. And it's unique to LinkedIn. I don't, I don't see that on Instagram. I don't see that. I mean, maybe on Facebook, you have that stuff, but I don't spend a lot of time there myself. So much social media nowadays is consumption-based. It's somebody creating something for my informational or educational or entertainment purposes, but it's just consumption. It's not conversation. And I think that's really what separates LinkedIn from a lot of other places is that it's a place to converse. You consume content, but you also converse around that content and you build relationships with other people who are doing the same thing. And that is ultimately the essence of networking, right? A lot of people view networking as this big intimidating thing. And so they're like, well, I don't want to create a post. that's like geared towards networking. Networking seems transactional. I don't necessarily think I should be so forward about it. And you don't have to be. That's the thing, right? Networking is just connection and conversation. That's literally what it is. And once you become comfortable with that definition of it, it starts to really fly for you. It's a flywheel effect. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of my approach. I, I view every post as an opportunity to start a conversation with people who are passionate about that topic and who have a lot of value to add. And you're sort of the host of that conversation, right? You're inviting them to leave their thoughts and connect with your network and build connection with each other. And that's a really magical thing. There aren't, you know, that's how I am in real life too. Like our house is the house where you have, you know, the fire pit running in the front yard or on our driveway and everybody just comes to hang out. And we're always the ones that are hosting our neighbors and we're the ones that like to put out a big spread and like, and facilitate connection with other human beings. And so that's kind of how I view my role as somebody who creates content on this platform. My mouth's watering because I'm thinking about the barbecue, brother, and some hot yeah. sauce and like, <laughs> go for a walk and all the things that you and I both love, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it really is a unique platform because of the community aspect, because it's not just me ingesting content endlessly. It is way more of an interactive experience. And you're right. Maybe you could make an argument that some of that happens on Facebook, but it's not, it's definitely not the same. And there's right. way more toxicity. There's like, you know, and even going down the politic landscape and like, yeah. it's going to be, it's, because it's about to get nasty. We know in the year of an election, like get anywhere near Facebook and it's just like, it's a total downer. And like, yep. just, yeah. So, so yeah, I don't even want to go, <laughs> even go yeah. there, but this is how you frame LinkedIn. You say it's the global water cooler. So mm-hmm. grab your Dixie cup and start chatting. And you say this all the time, right? It's not just about you posting. Yeah, that starts the conversation, but a comment is a post. It's a mm-hmm. post in the making. It's a it's your input, your insight, your idea, your your way of thinking. So yeah, so fully with you. I want to talk and we're going to get into your content creation and also analytics. Before we do, 
I want to talk about two guys and we're just going to, this is like paying homage to two of our, our brothers here. So Andy Foot, John Asperian. And I love that you call out when you first started following Andy, he had this like disgruntled pick. <laughs> The most like intimidating, like I did. I was so scared. And you, when I was when I was prepping for this, I, I was listening to a show you were on. And you're like, yeah. When I just first saw him. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to if I could talk to them. Intimidated. I felt the same exact way. So I'm curious, yeah. dude. Tell me about your relationship with those guys. What have you learned from them? Like for somebody who doesn't know them, which if you're on the platform, you probably do. But why am I even talking about these guys? Yeah. I mean, they're the OGs, as Andy especially, right? I, I think Andy used to have a blog called Linked Insights. He had a hashtag list that he used to publish to that blog. So he was always delivering value and knowledge about the platform. When I started paying closer attention to LinkedIn in 2019, he was, you know, it was a much different place back then, right? There were a lot of LinkedIn coaches that are established who had been doing it for some time, but it wasn't LinkedIn coaching and ghostwriting the way that you see it now, right? Now it's a very different much more crowded environment, a lot more people who are just kind of on the bandwagon because they can be because there's money to be made. But there were some authentic people who really understood the inner workings of this platform. Andy was one of them. John is another. I'd say there's probably a handful. Brenda Meller is another one for me. There's a handful of people that really understand how this place works. Yeah, and, feel free to share any names, by the way, because I'm, I'm all for spreading like who are the right people to really learn from. So yeah, anybody you think is is in that, who else could be on that that list? I'd love to know. Yeah, Brenda, yeah for sure. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are sort of three of the first ones. And I just noticed like there was a whole lot of giving, not so much taking from those folks, right? John's tagline is relentlessly helpful, right? Like he is somebody who's constantly trying to give and deliver value back to his community. And those are the types of people that I wanted to emulate. And Andy and I, I mean, Andy's a little bit like a bigger brother for me. We joke about the fact that, you know, we're both bearded, big bearded guys and like passionate about LinkedIn. And we have a genuine friendship that formed here, right? From our passion for this platform. And I think that that's something that I value a tremendous amount. I've still never met him in person. One day I will go to Chicago and we will meet for Chicago dog or, or some other food, but we talk all the time, right? I mean, we, we're always back channeling. There's, there's always going to be a handful of people that you have in your network on LinkedIn that you're just constantly talking to. And for me, Leah Turner is another one. Ariel Lee is another one. Many of these names are people that, again, like those connections really strengthened and solidified in that era when we were all living on Clubhouse because we were just so, so much in need of having that human connection. And so those are all people that I really appreciate. But yeah, Andy was, I mean, his intim- his picture was intimidating. I was like, oh, this guy's not going to want to talk to me. He's doing like <laughs> a little like a little gnat, like get away from me, you know? But we ended up being fantastic friends, have a very similar sense of humor. And I have a lot of respect for, you know, the people that have been putting in this, the reps for as long as people like that have, right? There's a lot of people here that talk about how great they are and how much they know how to grow here, but they've been here for a year. Right. Yeah. And there's people like us who've been here for four or five years and people like Andy who've been here for 10 years, 15 years, right. Who really understand it and have seen the evolutions. Kevin Turner is another one that's fantastic to follow. He's like an encyclopedia of, of LinkedIn features. So yeah, I mean, I think it's finding people that are passionate about the same things that you are. And you do that by following the folks that are really sharing that information on a regular basis. They're not just sharing things that they want to make money from, right. Their content doesn't just look like an ad. It's diverse. It's different opinions. It's starting a conversation, right? That's the other thing. I think you have to be somebody that wants to start conversation. Yeah. And you highlighted so many reasons why they're the ones who I also just have a deep respect for and am inspired by and want in my orbit, right? When I think of new people who join the platform or even people who've been on a long time and they don't, they don't see the traction, they don't see the results, they're not they don't really get it. I was like, how many people, if you pulled out your phone, could you text or call right now who are active on LinkedIn? And if the answer is like two, chances are you have not built a community. The answer is like a hundred or 50. Then yeah, chances are you have. I have easily, easily a couple hundred people who I've met on LinkedIn who I have in my phone, you know, and it's taken years to get to that point. Now, am I texting all of them every day? No, of course not. But, there are people, you know, Andy wrote a passage 
in my dad's book. You know, when I wrote a, a whole chapter on LinkedIn and there's several concepts from, from Andy, one of which awesome. is like the pinball machine. You know, I don't know if you ever read where he talks about the pinball machine, but it's like, this doesn't apply as much today in like the dwell era, but like when we really had to get a lot of interactions right away, it was like a pinball machine. You got the flippers, you got to like keep the post uh, happy with interactions. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this like brings me to analytics. Speaking of, because this is one of your superpowers, it's really understanding that. And I think a lot of this is driven from your own ops experience. And you say what gets measured, right, gets, gets better, better, right? Gets better. And so it, we're, we know that if you measure something and you really look at it like a student, you can start to make the necessary decisions to improve. So like, what do you measure and, and why? Definitely the ops guy in me loves numbers. I've never been like the best with them, but I know enough to be dangerous. And I think that they're very valuable to pay attention to, not obsessed with, right? But I think they're important to pay attention to. I focus the most on engagement. So is engagement going up? Is engagement going down? You know, and by that, I mean reactions and, and more specifically comments, right? For me, I consider a successful post one that starts a lot of conversation. And I think that's because that is the ultimate sign of your audience being engaged with you. Impressions are driven and fueled by the engagement that you get. So if you focus on creating content that will engage your audience, then the impressions will take care of themselves. Now, a lot of people complain about the fact that impressions have dropped over the course of the last year. And that's actually, that's absolutely true, right? We've seen a significant drop in average impressions, but my engagement has actually gone up over the last year. And I think that's all that really matters for me, right? Yes, impressions are great, right? But like, really, we don't know, we have no control over them whatsoever. And it's not even really an engagement metric because it's just a feed load. So you don't even know if the person whose feed your post loaded on saw your post. So it's, right. it's almost an irrelevant metric in my opinion. And, and I know Andy will agree with that. We've talked about it several times. So, you know, for me, that's the most important one. And then, you know, once you start to get to a place where you're posting every single day, like I do, you start to get enough of a data set that you can identify trends and you can analyze things and you can start to see like, okay, you know, posts that are, for example, polls. I love polls. You know, I love polls. I post them every Saturday. I have people that like message me if I haven't posted by like 10 o'clock and they're like, no poll today. <laughs> and like that oh, is, yeah. is for me, you know, a fun thing that I've been doing for a really long time. I got to a point where I was like, oh, wow, like let's analyze the performance of polls. I have created something like 14% of my 14% of my content are polls and they've yielded 36% of the conversations that I've had. So by far, my most efficient content medium are polls. If you take that data point, I should theoretically probably be doing more polls on a weekly basis because they are so effective at starting conversation for me. And so that's kind of the, the thing about the data piece that's really nice is that once you get to a place where you have enough data, you can actually see trends, right? People are like, what day of the week is best to post? First of all, there is no day of the week that's best to post for everybody. There are too many variables. There are too many different things that are happening in your network. You can't definitively say that this day of the week is the best day of the week to post. Now, if you have 2,500 posts and you analyze that data, you can start to see some trends and there's some surprises that might be found, right? Like a lot of people used to say, don't post on LinkedIn on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, or it's a professional platform. Nobody hangs out there on the weekends. That was the conjecture. That was the popular opinion. Saturdays and Sundays are two of my best days of the week. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are fewer people on the platform creating content. So your content stretches further. And so it's taking a lot of the subjective conversation about the platform and strategy on LinkedIn and saying, let's actually root this in metrics and yeah. understand before we make a declaration that this is the way it needs to be. Let's understand that everybody else, everybody's network is unique to their themselves. And so people are like, should I be posting at eight o'clock in the morning? Should I be posting at noon? When should I be posting? I encourage people to post in the morning where they have the most people. So if you're on the Pacific coast and you, your most of your network is West coast, then you should post early in the morning on the West coast, right? Because I think that a lot of people do check their LinkedIn first thing in the morning or before they get their day started. And so that's my sort of subjective purpose. But that's really the thing is like, 
if you can dial it back and say, let's look at some data and see if if our assumptions are actually factual mm -hmm. or if they're just subjective opinion. And if they're just a subjective opinion, like throw them out the window. <laughs> like you shouldn't right. even pay attention to them. Yeah, it's like it will, we we can guess, we can theorize, but ultimately sure. the data scientists at LinkedIn are not opening up their kimono and telling us what, what's, what's the algo is really saying. And they don't give us those those tips. That's a black box. So you mentioned a few things that I, I gleaned in your metrics report. You did a 2023 metrics review. You did a post. You mentioned some of the days, like I think Saturdays and Tuesdays were your worst performing day. Your Fridays are your best performing day, I think. Fridays are your best performing day. And then you had a viral post in February. I'm curious, like I know we're not like trying to get virality, but do you feel, do you have a hypothesis on why it went viral? There are a couple things that were, I think you're talking about the one where Nolan Ether and I posted about having formed a connection on LinkedIn, talked back and forth for six or seven months, realized that we were living in the same city, and then we decided to go grab coffee. And the two of us met, and I posted a picture of us, and I was just like, you know, it's amazing how you can start conversations on a, on a social platform, and then... For months, you have conversations with somebody. And then once you meet them for the first time in person, it's like just continuing that conversation, right? People who are authentic on a social platform, they don't pull any punches. There's no surprise when you meet them in person. Like you're just kind of vibing. Janai Iqbal is another example. I met him at LinkedIn earlier in the year. And like there wasn't this like adjustment moment, right? It was yeah. just like, Finally, I get to high five you and give you a hug. <laughs> yeah, right. right? So like true. it's yeah. not even like a question. And so that was one of the reasons that I think that post in particular in February went pretty viral is because that was still, I mean, even even though we see selfies on LinkedIn all the time now, a year ago, that wasn't necessarily always the thing. So the fact that he and I were in a coffee shop cementing our connection that we built on LinkedIn, I think that just kind of skyrocketed things and between his network and my network who had seen the two of us yeah. conversing so much on content on LinkedIn and we had hosted a few LinkedIn lives and audio rooms and things like that like that was I think one of the things people were like wow this is awesome right this is a genuine connection that's happening in real life that started on the platform and people love feel good moments like that that's right that's exactly what I was just going to say they love a story especially something that's heartwarming that really it talks about the human connection, like the thing that we've mm -hmm. talked about a lot of this this conversation. It's it's all all roads lead back to that connection, and people relate to it. It's it's shared humanity. It's something that we could all appreciate because we all want that. We all crave that. It's just mm -hmm. part of our how we're hardwired. So another thing that you noticed was that March, April, November, you didn't do as well. And talk a little bit about there was something that happened in those months. And I'm curious about this because I just saw this is where like you're going to get what might be true for one, might not be true for another. You got to look at your own data. But what was what did you find out about those months? So in those months, I was posting with, I'll say, reckless abandon. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was basically shooting from the hip. And look, like this is part of what I do, right? I think like you got to experiment. You have to experiment, right? There's you can get so caught up in the the gurus saying you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And then it's like, well, I did all that and I still didn't get the results that I wanted. And it's because, well, chances are that what they've said is either not factual or it works for them, but not for you, or LinkedIn's changing so quickly that like there's just no way that you can actually keep up with it. So you have to experiment. And for me, those months in particular were months where I was posting twice per day on average and my engagement dropped significantly. And so that was, I think, probably what, what did it. And then you can actually see in the graph when I stopped posting as much, right? I cut it in half or by a third, my engagement shot back up. And so if you analyze the data, like, yeah, that could be just unique to my network and and my content. There's so many variables that you cannot absolutely say this is how it is for everybody. But for me, looking at how my network responds or how LinkedIn treats my content, I shouldn't be posting more than once a day. And that's so common. That's common advice from people that understand LinkedIn. But I also feel like that is going to change, right? LinkedIn 
cannot encourage people to create content on a consistent basis and have it always be between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. every day because that's what the legacy rules have been, they're going to have to open it up. They're going to have to encourage mm-hmm. you to po- post more. They're, they're, like, If they really want to become a content platform, it can't matter how many times a day necessarily, right? You have to put out as much content as you feel comfortable and then see what hits. And so that's what I think is going to be really interesting to see. And I think that's why I keep testing. Like right now I'm running a test. You probably noticed I'm running a test right now where I'm trying to post at least I'm ignoring the whole don't post twice a day thing because I don't really care that much. And I'm posting a video in the afternoon at least three or four days a week. And I want to see what that does to engagement. I want to see what that does to conversation. I want to see if that brings new people into my network. And that's what I'm finding anecdotally. I haven't done any analysis, but anecdotally, I'm finding that there are more people that I haven't seen before showing up and reacting to those videos that I'm putting out with no other context. I don't have any like lead up or anything. I just post the video. Yeah, I noticed um, that. And it's interesting because I, I think that there's a lot of power in voice. You and I know voice and visuals and voice are yeah. very powerful things. It's one of the reasons that you and I have the dynamic that we have is because we've yeah. spent so much time talking online. And so I think that even if, if video impressions aren't necessarily as high, there's still a tremendous value add yeah. to letting somebody hear your voice and seeing how you think. You get to know people. It's just, it's a, it's a trust amplifier. Video and audio, it's like trust squared. Like you, yeah. you have a lot more because you, you get to see the, the person. It's like for the same reason when you see Andy in Chicago, it's not going to feel like some stranger. I met my business partner three years after we started our business together. We met on LinkedIn. Like, I mean, yeah, there were a few things like, Hey, you're a little bit like taller or you're a little, you know, like a little something like that. But like, basically it's, you're just seeing you're, you're meeting somebody that you've known and you you're meeting them in the flesh and yeah, you get to high five or hug or whatever. And I love stories like that. And like where you met this guy or where you met, your lost, long lost cousin, I think in Australia, who has oh, yeah. your same name, Liam, right? And Liam yeah. in, in Darmody. It's like both, does he pronounce it the same? The Darmody as oh, yeah. well? Or did, yeah, okay. I mean, with the Aussie accent, but yeah, same of course, pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. So, and, and I am deeply curious about like the experiments and the testing. I think all social media is best served when you have a scientific heart and mind and you think about, and, and you don't have too much vested like it's you know yeah like you said you don't really care that much like yeah, you can make these posts it's like if they fail or if they don't do exactly what you're hoping it's not the end of the world like none of this right. is the end of the world these are right. ways to communicate open up conversation and that's what they're meant for man and so i'm curious just so the audience and anyone who's like okay well what exactly does he mean engagement do you mean engagement percentage do you mean number like how are you actually studying that data set. Yeah. So, I mean, on a daily basis, I think, or weekly basis, right? And I I should preface this by saying, I'm always paying attention to data, right? I'm thinking about things critically from a daily lens, but I encourage people that I work with not to think too much on a daily. Think about it from sort of 10,000 feet, right? How many impressions and how much reactions and how many comments are you getting? on a monthly basis? And was this month better or worse than last month? Because if you start to get into the weeds and you're always looking at it on a per post level, you're just amplifying the frustration that you feel when something doesn't hit. And like, I think the thing that's so interesting about LinkedIn in general is that there's this idea that like, you have to go big, you have to go viral, you have to like be this rock star and have all this engagement we don't use other platforms that way right like i don't i mean my wife posts on instagram so that her friends can see our kids doing stuff like i'm Mm -hmm. the same and so i think like it's a unique thing where people feel like they have if they throw a post out into the into the wild and they don't get a ton of engagement that's not there's no slight on you it doesn't mean that you're any less of a human being like you're just building you're just sharing content that is valuable to you and Some people might see it and react. Some people might not see it and react. That's the wrong reason to do it. And so I focus on engagement, meaning reactions, comments, and then yes, engagement rate, right? Which, you know, you can track over time. When I first started, I would be lucky to have 
like one or two percent engagement rate. Now it's probably more around six to eight percent, which is a drastic increase from what it was. But I'd still like to improve on that. But it's going in the right direction, right? And that's where I think you have to sort of temper expectations. Is like take a step back and say, did I get more or less engagement than I did last month? And, and that's relative to like the contribution, right? Some people are like, well, I'm posting once or twice a week and I'm not responding to comments. I'm not commenting on anybody else's stuff. So why am I not getting any, you know, but so, and then they're surprised when they don't have posts that take off and crush. It's like, well, it's more than just creating content and putting it out there. It's about building that connection with other people and engaging the engaged is what I say, right? That's so important on this platform, more so than any other, right? There's a engaging lot of Engaging the engaged. Ex I know what you mean, but like explain that because that's so, so important, man. Yeah. I mean, when somebody shows up to your post and leaves a thought in, in the form of a comment, respond to it, right? Like they're doing you, they're, they're a guest. It goes back to the analogy of like, you're hosting a conversation, you know, they've shown up to have a conversation. They've shown up to share their perspective with you. The least you can do is thank them for showing up and go beyond that and say, <laughs> I like what you have to say. Here's my response to that. And that's so many of the connections that I've forged on this platform are based on the conversations that I've had, maybe on my post, maybe on somebody else's post. But like, that's where you sort of figure out if somebody is your type of person or not, is in those, those exchanges that happened on the posts. And so I think that's really one of the reasons that I'm so focused on the commenting component, because that's the real conversation, right? The post for me is I write it, I let it fly, but then the real fun starts when people start paying attention and adding their two cents. That's okay. what I love. It's a container. Like you said, it's a house. And it's, it'd be like having a house party and like everybody's there talking to you. You're just silent. You're not even exactly. talking back. It's like, exactly. it makes no sense. Be ridiculous. Uh, so something that I, I never really thought of in the way in which you do is the efficiency of a post. Mm. And you, you mentioned it earlier. Your polls are highly efficient. Like 14% of your posts are polls, but that's 36% of your engagement. Describing mm -hmm. it that way is helpful. So what else have you found from an efficiency standpoint? And is that something that you spend a lot of time thinking about? Like what's like, how does that play into your, your, your data scientist mind? Honestly, the analytics for me are informative and almost like a hobby. I enjoy analyzing data and I enjoy, there's a curiosity in my mind that like, I want to know from a data standpoint, how something is doing. But that's kind of where it ends. Like, yes, I know that polls are more effective at starting conversation, but that doesn't mean I'm going to create a poll seven days a week because yeah. I just don't necessarily feel like doing that. For me, content creation is very much something that I enjoy doing. It's a hobby. I mean, one of the challenges that I've had sort of transitioning into somebody who's using the platform to, to generate business is that I'm not used to sort of really honing my messaging on one thing, right? And that's what people say you have to do, right? You, they'd say, if you want to really focus on making money and generating leads here, you have to talk about what you do ad nauseum. Like, that's it. I can't do that. I'm incapable of doing that. I like to share more about what I like on the platform. And so for me, the data is something that's informing my strategy, but it's not the be all end all. It's yeah. not my silver bullet. I'm not going to take a piece of information that I get and say, okay, this is the honest truth, and this is what I'm going to do as a result of this data point. For me, it's, well, that's interesting. I'm going to pay attention to that a little bit more, right? Yeah. Or, you know, I've identified that that might not be the right way to go about it. Maybe I try something else, right? So I think for 2024, I'm very, very bullish on video on the platform. I think LinkedIn is a laggard when it comes to video. I think just for whatever reason, it's way behind other platforms on that front. So I think that you're going to see a lot more on the video front. Images for me, I mean, all my text images, 58% of my posts were text plus image, and that accounts for 67% of impressions, 74% of reactions, and 65% of comments. So that's an effective mechanism for me, which again, is almost just confirming my assumption, right? My assumption yeah. is that if you put a picture on your post, that's the scroll stopper. If you have a compelling first line or two on your post, that's going to get them to click see more. And then the rest of the post convinces them to leave a conversation or, or start a conversation or have a comment, right? Yeah. And that's like how I use the data is, am I, are my assumptions valid? Yeah. And if they are, great. If they're not, 
fine. But like it doesn't, he can't get too into the weeds. Right. It's just not, you can't prove it. That's right. And I think the other thing to think about is your own happiness and enjoyment, right? Yeah. Like to your point, you, yeah, conventional wisdom, post about this one thing, get super niche, super, but like at what expense, like not enjoying doing it? And it is a hobby, just like posting and coming up with the contents, you treat it as a, it's something you enjoy doing. Yes, you've professionalized it, but you enjoy doing it. Just like you enjoy studying the data. Yep. And by the way, just to underscore, I love that you said, hey, like zoom out, like look at it from a month view or a year view, not a singular post view. Yes. I, I just, that, that warrants being repeated. And it's also super interesting to look at the efficiency. Like if you, if it's a certain percentage of posts, but it accounts for a greater percentage of, of reactions or impressions, like that's an interesting data point. And it could inform some of the decisions that you make, or maybe you know that to be the case, but you're not necessarily going to make, you know, there was some time maybe like a year ago where it seemed like everything was a poll. Like, and everybody was 2021. It was the year of the polls, the year of the polls. Okay. So yeah, you got, you got the, the the timeline better than I, but point being is there's all these polls going and it, it almost became intolerable just to be on the platform because it was so obnoxious. So you just, you just didn't want to feed that, that beast. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you don't do it this way now, but I think you're more like me and I've, I've done a lot of batching and whatnot, but I naturally gravitate more towards, and some of my best posts are off the cuff on, you know, heart level, something that happens in the moment during the day, some, it'll be that day as opposed to batching. Talk about your creation process. How do you vibe most when it comes to the actual creation of the content? Yeah, we're birds of a feather, Billy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, prior to me starting my company, I'd wake up in the morning and if I had an idea, I'd post about it. And if I didn't, I'd spend 20 minutes scrolling the feed and seeing other people's posts. And typically that was enough for me to be like, got something. And then I would just write it on the fly and that was it. So I'm definitely an on the fly post kind of guy. I've gotten a little bit better at scheduling out. What I typically will do now is instead of sitting down on a Sunday and just writing, which is what a lot of people do. And I'm not knocking that. That's that, If that works for people, great, but it doesn't work for me. So what I've started to do is I will create things on the fly when I'm inspired to do it. And if that's like two o'clock in the afternoon, that's fine. And then I'll schedule it for the next available opening that I have. And so I've started to treat content, again, less on a day-by-day basis, right? I'm starting to treat content like right when you're feeling inspired, schedule that post for the next available day. Don't worry too much about day of the week. Don't worry about the day's performance. Just become consistent at listening to your own inspiration, write content, schedule that content and let it fly and see what happens. Don't worry too much about it. That is what I'm starting to practice. And I'll tell you in the last month, I have had basically three or four posts scheduled per week and you can always move them around if you find if you have inspiration and that's more topically relevant or timely, you can push something out even further and then fill that slot. But having three or four things teed up and ready to go that I've written in the moment when I felt inspired to do so is almost the best of both worlds for me. And yeah. it's great because like I don't have to worry about like I got to a point where I felt like the next day's post was looming over my head and I was like I got to yeah. write a post for tomorrow. So now I just I just schedule it out. And like, if I get to a place where I've got like 30 posts scheduled for the month, cool, I'm going to do it. I just wish LinkedIn would fix the user experience of their scheduling tool because it's I garbage. totally agree. I totally <laughs> agree. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just it's not. It's so bad. And it's actually, so bad. it's like you have to delete it to like repost. Like there's yeah. so many problems. <laughs> it's it, it led me, but it's interesting because it led me to challenge an assumption that a lot of people have. A couple months back, I had two posts go live at the same time. Like one was at 7.01 because I had scheduled it. And one was at like 7.02 because I had written it in the morning. And both posts went live. Both posts got 8,000 impressions. Both posts got about 120 engagements. And if you had asked any LinkedIn guru, if you could have two posts that both did well and didn't cannibalize the, the first one at the same time, they'd say, no, you can only do one post every 18 hours. Okay. Best practice. Fine. Not challenging that. My data supports that more than two posts in 24 hours typically can hinder engagement from my network personally. But the fact that those two posts performed almost equally was very fascinating to me. 
And I started to think less about what time of day, how often am I posting? That's when I started kind of like testing and experimenting with two posts a day. Yeah. And then I went back to the data and the data said, stop doing that. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, but like, it's all just experimentation. And at the end of it, that's the, you hit the nail on the head, Billy. Like we spent a lot of time talking about analytics and, and strategy, just have fun. Yeah. Treat LinkedIn like a journal that you would share with your family, your friends, and your colleagues. Yeah. Talk about things that are, you're passionate about. Be yourself and just let it rip. Like, Don't worry too much about what will happen or how many people will see it or how many people will engage on it. People don't care that much about us, right? Like at the end of the day, <laughs> everybody's busy doing their own stuff. And so true. just if you find creating content enjoyable, don't let the engagement or the reactions or any of that crap get in the way. Just enjoy the writing and treat it like a journal and share. Like that's it. And if you do that, I can almost guarantee with consistency, if you do that consistently, you will end up getting engagement and you will end up yeah. building connections and relationships on the platform. You just need to get out of your own way and stop overthinking it. Dude, amen. Amen. Drop the mic. That's, <laughs> that, oh, dude, I'm, we, we, yeah, we think so much alike, dude. I'm, I'm, that's also funny. You mentioned the part about like, you forgot that you like scheduled to, I did that. I was that podcast movement. I was like, look at my LinkedIn. I'm like, why do I have so many, like, all of a sudden this post, like, I don't remember making this post. I reposted something that I posted like maybe a month earlier mm -hmm. and it did okay the first time I posted it, but it was just a, it was just a carousel. It was a Ted Lasso carousel. It got like a quarter million impressions in like a couple days. I'm like, how did this thing just like completely blow up? I didn't even know I scheduled it, but yeah, I like the idea and I've, I've been doing a little bit of what you're saying too. I just find sometimes I get so sucked into other things that I'm like, I can't even be commenting. I don't want to ghost and post and ghost. I don't, but like you can't overthink this stuff. So, okay, nice. dude, let's talk about trends before we wrap up here. I know we only got a little bit of time here. So mm -hmm. let's talk about trends and what you're seeing, either what you're seeing already happening. You mentioned video dwell time has been something that's been for a while. So like, but like talk about what you're seeing happening. And one of those things I want to know is, do you think LinkedIn is trying to curb Podzilla, like, is that, you know, <laughs> is that something that they even care about? Yeah. Look, I think that it's, if you think about this from a logical standpoint, like LinkedIn's in between a rock and a hard place with that engagement pod conversation, right? Because they have a problem. Only a single digit percentage of people on LinkedIn are creating organic content on the platform. So if organic content is what generates conversation and they want to have more conversation on the platform, the more content that gets created and the more conversation that happens, the quicker they achieve their objective. They can say they don't want to have people gaming the system. They can say that they don't want to have pods on the platform. But if they do too much to restrict that behavior, then they're going to, they're not going to hit their goal of expanding how many people are creating content. There's always going to be that type of behavior on a social media platform because where there's organic reach, there is a growth hacker looking to monetize it, right? And so, but I do think that they're making tweaks that are changing some of the dynamics of those pods, right? So like it used to be that you had the golden hour and everybody would just pile on and the more comments you got in the first hour, the further your post went. That is gone, right? There's a much slower build on impressions, on engagement. Like I feel like my posts have a shelf life of at least two to three days now, if not a full week where I'm still getting engagement. I'm it's almost like they're only showing yeah. a little bit of my network, my post every single, every day or every hour. And I'm starting to see more consistent engagement over a longer period of time, which directly attacks the pod approach, right? So I think that's happening. I think the other thing that's really interesting is I'm noticing a lot more notifications about comments my network is leaving throughout the platform. And that's bringing me to the conversations that they're commenting on. Hmm. And I'm starting to get engaged because I have these connections with these people and I think highly of what they think. So I'm like, if they're leaving a comment on this post, it's probably worth me taking a look at it and going over and contributing to that conversation. And th this is all anecdotal and it's probably in the last month or two that I'm noticing this. I haven't changed any of the settings on my notifications. I'm just getting a lot more messaging from LinkedIn saying so-and-so commented on this. And that I think is very interesting and something that we need to be paying attention to because the, again, it goes back to that value of a comment 
and LinkedIn's emphasis on conversation. So I think that is really, really interesting. And I do think that that's probably trying to combat some of the engagement pot metrics because LinkedIn knows they have an engagement pot issue. There's no question about it. There's enough people, high profile people who have talked about it. Dan Roth talked about it on his interview with Jason Pfeiffer from Entrepreneur Magazine when he was on the podcast. They know that this is problematic and they have to do something about it, but they're also probably not going to do so much about it that they're like going to boot people off the platform for doing it. That's right. How do you typically engage? I'm curious, are you a feed engager or notification engager? Do you have a list? All of the above? Like what's your, what's your approach? Typically, I'll start with my post, right? Like my post goes live. I will typically make sure that I'm responding to that while I'm doing that. I will then go into the feed and respond to that. Things that I see in my feed, if somebody leaves a comment on my post, I will typically go over to their profile and see if they've posted something because again, it's reciprocity, right? Karma is a very powerful thing. And I think it's something that people should aspire to try and build into their, their process on this platform. There are a lot of people who will show up to a post and leave a comment and then they never hear from that person. And that is to your point, like somebody showing up at your house and you're just standing there and you're not talking to them. If somebody shows interest in you, the very least you can do is kind of take a look at their profile. Maybe they posted something that you don't really like and you don't want to respond to it. Fine. But maybe you find something that they've posted in the past and just show them that you've actually took the time to think about their content, right? It shouldn't be one way. And so that, that is kind of how I engage. And then throughout the course of the day, I use Sales Navigator. And so I have used Sales Navigator for a pretty long time because you can create your own feeds based on lead lists. So I'll set, you know, I'll save lead lists, quote unquote lead lists of people that are just friends of mine and make sure that I'm taking a look at all the posts that they've created in Sales Navigator because it creates its own little feed for me. And that way I know that I'm showing up for the people who show up to support me. And again, it's not pod behavior. It's just engaged. It's it's people who are weighing in and adding value on my content. I want to make sure that they know that I appreciate that and that I want to do the same for them. And so that's how I, I kind of take that approach. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, notifications I've also noticed have dropped off a cliff. So if you if you create a post and you know LinkedIn will notify you to a certain point in that post's longevity, but then they'll stop. So it's almost like going back to check and see if there's more comments on your posts from the past. So you can't just exclusively rely on the notification piece. It's kind of a mix of all three. Well, also sometimes it feels like it comes so late. So I'm I'm curious, have you Mm -hmm. figured out a way to be like without, I mean, maybe you know when some people post, but to like, to be an early commenter, let's be honest, it does help you, especially if you get a, a post that does well, have you figured out a way to do that, to be early to somebody's post? So I'm horrendous at that, (laughs) probably because I just don't care that much. Again, I'm kind of like, yeah, I could probably gain an additional 30 followers a day if I commented on Justin Welsh's post at 8.15, but I'm just not, I don't care that much. I'm very much focused on, do I see something I like? Cool, I'll react to it. But it is an approach that helps gain visibility. You're, You're basically taking advantage of the fact that somebody else has built a very large audience. And so if you can be first to comment on their post and you leave something thoughtful, you will have a lot of eyeballs on that comment. So it's not a bad strategy. It's just not one that I particularly employ. And so to do that, I would say, find the people that you want to leave comments on, save them in a search on LinkedIn and bookmark that so that you're always seeing the content. You can always go back to that bookmark open it up and it'll pull all the content that they've posted into your feed. And then you can just kind of attack from there. Love it, man. Last question. And then I'll give you a final thought here. It's just because I remember that back in the day, you used to do some reposting and mm-hmm. you saw some like insane traction with that. Is that completely gone? Totally. Like, do, you, do, totally do you ever, do you ever see that anymore? Like what's totally the gone. Yeah. I, yeah. My first year on LinkedIn, I found a little loophole where if you reposted somebody's content within a few minutes of it going live and that post took off, your post would take off in parallel. So I always joke with Joel Algy that I owe him money because I think in the first year that I was really invested on LinkedIn from a content creation platform, so many of my posts were just reposting his stuff and it just flew. And you know, back then I would add my own two cents and that wouldn't have an impact on distribution or anything. But now you can repost something and reposting is the most selfless thing you can do on the platform. It's also the most flattering thing that you can do for somebody that you follow because you're 
basically just putting your their post into the into your feed for your network to engage with. So the engagement gets credited to the original post. If you repost and you share your thoughts, you will get very little engagement and very little reach. So I always basically, instead of reposting, I will screenshot a post and then I will upload it as an image to a post that I create natively, add my two cents, tag the original poster in that post, and then we both get more engagement and more reach. And that's the win-win sort of mm. project for me. Because if you do the reshares, I mean, I'll, I'll reshare posts just to experiment with it. And it gets like double digit, maybe triple digit impressions and single digit engagement. And I average a lot higher than that. So I never reshare with my thoughts. I always encourage people to just take a screenshot, upload as an image, write your own piece, tag the original poster, and then you'll be good. Yeah, and always the original content is always going to seem to win. So, okay, I'll give a quote and then I want you to give a final thought or final word, anything that we didn't cover, any word of wisdom. But here's a Liam-ism and a quote from you. Our personal brands last as long as we do. So play the long game. Mm -hmm. Take us home and then we'll share where people can find you. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's... People view personal... Some people think personal branding is not the right term for it. They think it's too sort of strategic or, you know, calculating. We are who we are, right? And we are moving into a very, we're already in a very digital age, but it's only going to get more digital. And so being your authentic self somewhere and investing time in letting people see who you are, how you think, what it's like to be with you, what it's like to work with you, what it might be like to hire you, et cetera. There's a lot of value in that. And I think people need to move away from the idea that, they're intimidated to post because they might miss an opportunity because somebody doesn't like what they post. They need to be thinking, shifting their thinking more to what traditional brand strategy does best, right? A brand strategy attracts people that you want to attract and it detracts people that you, that you don't want to attract. And so if you shift your mindset and say, I'm going to be myself unabashedly, unapologetically, you will manifest serendipity through this platform because people will find you, they will gravitate to your personality. And from there, conversation, connection, and opportunity will happen. And so don't focus so much on worrying about what people will think. Just be yourself. On this platform, it's the best platform to do it because there's a little bit less vitriol and trolling happening here. And just let it be a representation of yourself. I mean, I, I always say, I think you've probably seen it, you know, your personal brand is not who you are online. Your personal brand is who you are online, right? That's it. It's you are yourself in my office with my neighbors. I'm the same way that I am there as I am here. And that's what you should be. And and let whatever happens, happens. Que sera, sera, right? Mm. Great way to end. For those who want to go on a walk with you or use your services, Go to liamsbrandstand.com, liamsbrandstand.com. And the reason I say a walk is you got a great, dude, I love this. I think I might add this in, into my uh, booking options is that people could book a, a time to go for a walk and have a little professional conversation with you. And then of course, if you happen to not know Liam, go to his LinkedIn, follow him, get to know him. And then if, if uh, you ever feel like you want to try to connect and build that relationship with him, You'll see he's the real deal, just like he is in this conversation. Such an extraordinary human and just good-hearted dad, family man, comedian, brand expert, ops expert. Like the list goes on and on. He brings so much to the table and he's just one of those uh, gems of a human. When somebody goes to Liam's brand stand, talk to us a little bit about like what they can expect from a, a service offering standpoint and and like if somebody wants to work with you, man, like what, what are they getting when they work with you? Yeah, I started out basically offering three different sort of value propositions. One was the personal brand coaching. Another was sort of social sales training and employer brand strategy. Right now, I'm really focusing on getting comfortable doing the coaching component. I think that's probably what I, what I get the most value from too, personally. So I have three different offerings. The first is basically like a, an introductory sort of this is the LinkedIn platform, end-to-end, -end, all the different features, bells and whistles, profile review, recommendations for content strategy, things like that. The other is sort of an intermediate 
And that is me in your corner for a month. So we do sort of that initial deep dive. And then you've kind of got access to me for a month. We talk about figuring out how to optimize your profile. You can talk to me about if you want to put out 30 posts in that month, I'll review all 30 posts and I'll give you my feedback and thoughts. And then the third is, is what I call ghost editing. I don't believe in ghostwriting. I think ghostwriting is, no, I'm not talking trash on it, but I think if you want to build your personal brand, you have to show up with your own thoughts and your own words. And that could be like just a couple bullet points that I then sort of write around, but the original seed for the post is what you had to say. And that's the third package that I offer, which is up to 12 of those posts per month, and then basically supporting you in any other capacity over the course of that month. So that's what I'm working with right now. We'll probably evolve it and expand it over time, but that's what I got on the site at the moment. Love it, man. And I, I saw the ghost editing in your, in your bio and I was like, ah, oh, that's a, I'm with you, man. So I, I picked up a couple LinkedIn clients in the last month, just through osmosis and, and some of my podcast clients wanted to help with LinkedIn. And what I've realized in doing it is I'm not going to write, like, I don't have their thought leadership. I don't have right. their domain expertise, nor do, nor should I try right. to put words in their mouth that they, like, I like the way you put it. They create the seed. So yep. Brilliant, man. Hey, dude, love the session. Thanks so much for your time. You're uh, somebody that I greatly value uh, our friendship and looking forward to more opportunities to do stuff like this. This was fantastic, Billy. You're a pro. I really appreciate you. And uh, thank you so much for having me, man. If I can repay you in any way or... Let's do a barbecue. Back, pay it forward. Let's do it. Let's do a barbecue. Man. I got to come to your neck of the woods. I have, I have not only clients out near you, I have team members in Raleigh. and like Oh, all nice. Those, well, yeah, when you're here... Yeah, you're, you're I'm coming. Guest. All right. It's, let's, let's it's happening. All right, dude. Thanks take again. Care. All right. Take yeah. care. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.